Liz Sumner, and this is I Always Wanted To, the podcast where I interview people who are doing things that others long to do. What have you always wanted to try? Welcome, everyone. Today, we're talking with two women who have returned to their childhood love of riding horses after a long absence. Kathy Waite was self-employed from age 24. She built and sold two businesses in England, then moved her family halfway around the world at age 35 to start over. She now lives in Regina, Saskatchewan. Welcome, Kathy. Good morning from sunny Saskatchewan. <laughs> I'm Roberta Shanman. A research librarian with the Rand Corporation for 35 years. She lives in Los Angeles. Welcome, Roberta. Thank you, and welcome to cloudy Los Angeles. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I think it's true, and I bet others would agree with me, that the vast majority of little girls have a strong fascination with horses. So when did you first start riding as a child? And then, and also, when did you put it aside for other pursuits? Let's start with you, Kathy. Well, I grew up in Norfolk, England, and a lot of people, um, anyone from England or, or Europe would know that that's very flat, it's very rural, you know, it's not a particularly wealthy part of the world. Um, but their horse riding was something the rich people did. So as a child, I think I just looked longingly at the horses. <laughs> I didn't really, it was kind of maybe on your birthday, you'd get to go and do a couple of hours of pony tricking. Mm -hmm. And um, we lived near Holcomb Beach, which there, there were horses you could ride on the beach. And then, of course, there was the usual donkey rides around in those days on a beach. So it wasn't really something I did regularly. Um, but I, I would read books in which girls rode horses and I was always kind of jealous. So what, what happened for me was that we moved to Canada in 2004. And at the time, uh, that was because we wanted what's called an acreage. It's like we might say a small holding or a hobby farm. Mm -hmm. um, 13 acres. And it is in the middle of nowhere, but it's only 20 minutes from the city. And, you know, initially my son was 13. We collected different animals like a pot-bellied pig. <laughs> we had fox. <laughs> this pig was supposed to be small and it grew to be big. And we had the usual cats and dogs and things. And then when my son got to 18, it's, it's kind of traditional here that they have a big grad gift for graduation. And he had been helping out some of our neighbours with their Arab horses. And instead of the usual, can I have a car or can I have a year off and travel? Mm -hmm. He said, um, what I want is two Clydesdales. Oh. So a lot of people will know those as the Budweiser horses. Uh -huh, uh -huh. Yeah. <laughs> so th there we were. He was 18 and his grad gift was a couple of very large horses. And it became a family preoccupation. Of course, we all fed them. We cared for them. My husband did their hooves. We all used the cart. And then we have a lot of snow here in the winter. So a sled. Um, so, you know, roll the calendar forward a couple of years and he's in university. Sometimes he's living at home. Sometimes he's, he's away. And I was caring for them a lot. And I don't know why, but I think in about 2007, it occurred to me that if I was caring for these horses, perhaps I should learn to ride them. <laughs> so my birthday gift in 2007 was a series of riding lessons. 
and I just I just googled riding lessons in our area and I found a lady called Susan Van Dusen who runs Armadale Stables ride that horse and she's actually a national champion and I was incredibly lucky that um, she took me on that she would take on I would describe myself as a mature terrified novice <laughs> It was kind of something I would love to have done as a child. And mm -hmm. I, I'm a prolific reader. Mm -hmm. And of course, you know, in those days, um, young adult literature would have been full of black beauty and horses and mm -hmm. that lifestyle. And, mm -hmm. But um, it happened for me as an adult, really. And uh, interestingly enough, it turned out that the Clydesdales were too wide to ride. Mm -hmm. If you look on them, it actually hurt your hips. So it went from there to finding my own horse. And the rest is history. We now have a herd of four. Oh, wow. That's oh, wow. wonderful. How about you, Roberta? Um, oh, well, well, the, the uh, beginning part is very similar to Kathy's, except that I grew up in the city. Uh, I was born in New York City, and we moved out to L.A. when I was seven. And we've lived in the middle of the city the whole time. And I never had an opportunity, really, to take lessons. But I too read all of the horse books mm -hmm. and uh, I never had dolls to play with. I always had model horses to play mm -hmm. with. And so, and I rode, I may have ridden trail rides two or three times as a teenager, but never as an adult. And five years ago, I, I turned 65. And I, just by pure coincidence, I watched a documentary uh, by Martin Clunes, who okay. I don't know if you watched Doc Martin. Oh, yeah. Oh, of course. Okay, so he's, he, he's the actor. Mm -hmm. And of, in, in the series, of course, he's a grouchy, grumpy, antisocial man. Uh, mm -hmm. But in, in actuality, uh, the actor is very, very warm and friendly and loves animals. And he did a documentary of himself relating to different horses. Mm -hmm. And some that he knew he, he owns horses. I think he owns Clydesdales. Mm -hmm. And, um, but he would go to other, you know, trainers and, and just kind of get into the horse's heads and, and just see how he would relate to them. And I thought, you know, I've got to do this before I can't do it anymore. Mm -hmm. So um, we, we live around 10 miles from an area that does have uh, quite a few stables and people who own horses. And I looked up on the web for horse instruction, riding instruction, and I found a, a place. And I started um, when I was 65. And I'm still taking lessons. Unfortunately, my physical capabilities are challenging because I have a bad back and arthritis, you know, mm. nothing serious, but mm -hmm. it's challenging just to ride for me. Mm -hmm. So, but I love it. And I, um, you know, I do it when I can. I try to go every week. But uh, sometimes I, I can't make it. And, but I absolutely, my, my teacher is fantastic. She's, she is, a, you know, a, a serious competitor. 
and she she really lets everybody uh, work at their own level. Mm -hmm. So I'm still riding the horse that I started on <laughs> five years ago. Who's a um, he's a small horse. He's not a pony, but he's a small horse, and he is now 36 years old. Oh wow! Wow. Yep. <laughs> and, so, and so you know we're we're kind of equal in, uh, in age <laughs> and ability. Write us together. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but he's he's knock on wood. He's in really good shape. Oh, good. And so uh, we do what we can, mm -hmm. and uh, I really love it. So um, now I know that you both weren't riders in your youth right. and you both learned as adults. How long did it take, how many lessons did it take before you were really enjoying yourself? Kathy. I think that it was probably a couple of months. Mm -hmm. I went every Sunday night and our winters are so cold. Often we only do things in the summer. Mm -hmm. And I think I went like in the spring, so if you said how many, we might be talking about eight. Mm -hmm. But I, I do remember being absolutely terrified. And I can't, I can't get on my horse from the ground. Mm -hmm. You see, yeah. put their foot in the stirrup and then they swing up. I can't do that. I climb up on a block mm -hmm. and then someone has to hold the horse and you put your foot in the stirrup and you hope the horse stands still. <laughs> <laughs> and you swing your leg over. And I do remember that first lesson standing there and looking at the gap between me and the horse and thinking, I'm going to die. <laughs> <laughs> and somehow I got my foot in, swung my creaky <laughs> leg over. <laughs> I got on the horse and, and um, you know, what Roberta said there is that a lot of these trainers are serious competitors. Mm -hmm. You know, they are so good at what they do. The thing is to find someone who can understand that, I think children have less fear. A lot of trainers yes. teach children and the children just pile on and if they fall yeah. off, they bounce. Right. Um, yeah. and right. There is definitely like a difference when you teach. They have a very polite phrase. They'll say mature novices. <laughs> older ladies who don't bounce. Then they have to understand that half of our brain is listening to them and half of it's thinking, I can't get hurt. I've got to go to work tomorrow. <laughs> So, um, it's a couple of months, really, mm -hmm. um, you know, and also very self-conscious. Mm -hmm. You go to these places and there are a lot of kids around or a lot of teenage yeah. girls yeah. around and, you know, you're older and creakier and um, a bit bigger than I was at that age. <laughs> so it's not just the physical, like, can I do it? There's, I was actually very self-conscious. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm going to come back to you about that, but tell, tell me, Roberta, uh, what, how long did it take for you to, before you were really saying, yeah, yeah, this is what I wanted? Well, I, I knew right away that this was what I wanted, uh, but not every ride was, was enjoyable. Actually, the very first ride, the first time, I was not on my little horse. She put me on a, a regular size horse, pretty big one but who was also like in his thirties and mm -hmm. very calm, mm -hmm. but he had a very bumpy trot, mm -hmm. but very sensitive. So as soon as I put my legs on him, he started to trot and I, I was nowhere near being ready for that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I thought, Oh my God, I'm going to die. <laughs> <laughs> 
so um, I made it through that lesson, and then they they put me on Smarty, who's who's my little guy, and he's much smoother. And and I started to enjoy myself right away as soon as uh, things didn't hurt so much, bouncing up and down. I really, really enjoyed it a lot. I I get very, very anxious even still. For like two or three days before, I start getting nervous, hmm. and um, and I think about, you know, can I can I do it? It's not so much whether the horse is going to do stupid things, but can I physically do it? But as soon as I get there, I'm fine. And when I'm on the horse, I'm fine. And I really enjoyed it very quickly, even though I, as Kathy said, there were little kids in the lessons that I was taking. My instructor encouraged all of us to just do our own thing at our own pace. And so I wasn't too self-conscious, although some of these little kids were amazing. But it was more the concern about my own physical um, abilities mm -hmm. than the horse. Although I have been thrown twice. Now, I don't know about you, Kathy, but that's not fun. And it wasn't off of my, it wasn't off of my little horse. It was off a different horse. Right. But I, I wasn't afraid to get back on. But again, it was like, okay, you know, is my back going to be okay? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so I'd like to hear more about the self-consciousness, because that's what I would think would be top of mind. I, I happen to know that both of you have celebrated birthdays with big zeros in them this year. <laughs> and um, I can imagine that that, that would make you self-conscious about taking up something like horse riding. So what, what, if anything, has your age had on, on your decision? Kathy. I think that I, I started doing this when I was 40. And, and actually part of that was that at the time I looked around and we had quite a few friends who were a couple of years older than me and their children were graduating and they had no hobbies. Hmm. You know, everyone had, you, you very much live your life for your children, you know, all their sports and activities and then your job. So I, I did kind of particularly at that time thought I have to have something for me. And uh, I didn't, I don't know if I thought it would be uh, pottery or art or riding horses. <laughs> so probably riding a horse and having animals was the least likely of all of them. I can, I can remember in my teens uh, being very self-conscious. By the time I was about age 11, I had bigger feet and I was taller than the gym teacher. Hmm. So, you know, gymnastics and things never came easily to me. Mm -hmm. I always felt clumsy. So to, but then you see, I guess we had Clydesdales, so they would be courses. So I could actually stand next to my horse and my head would be under its chin. <laughs> so, although I was very self-conscious, these would be courses. And, you know, I think I just wanted to do it so much and they were pets and they were here, mm -hmm. that that made me go. I think that, you know, that was like late 30s, 40. And now at 50, I look back and I think I wasted so much of my 20s and 30s worrying about what other people thought. Amen. You know, um, I can remember family holidays in Greece, not wanting to wear a swimming costume on the beach. Mm -hmm. And you think this is ridiculous. And maybe, you know, you said about being self-conscious. If, if I could say anything to my younger self, 
it would be that actually no one is really interested in you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> They're right. worrying about what they look like. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Wise so words. When I meet other women, and sometimes I see this, I'm at the barn and their children are riding and the mums say, oh, I can't do it. You know, I'd look stupid. People would laugh or I just couldn't do it. And, and the truth is most people are preoccupied with themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not watching you. And, and actually last Wednesday, I go on Wednesdays, I put my horse in a trailer and go down to the facility where Susan is and, and ride. And I got home on Wednesday and I realized that my shirt was on back to front. <laughs> <laughs> the bee was at the back and I just thought you know I was there for four hours and no one mentioned it so just show <laughs> no one looks at you <laughs> everyone's looking at the horses and everyone's thinking about what they're doing so I think that you know um that's part of getting older is you get a bit more comfortable with yourself and to find um a coach who is supportive but not critical it, uh, there's definitely a movement where the boomers are the people that have the money. Mm-hmm. So there are people doing things for the first time and being a bit braver. Mm-hmm. So it is a huge waste of life to be so self-conscious. You should just do it and stop making excuses. Oh, well, I, I'm going to say that to my younger self as well. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, Roberta, do you, do you suffer from self-consciousness when you're riding? No, I don't. Now, over the last two or three years, I've been riding in an adults-only class. And granted, these women are much, much more advanced than I am. But number one, there is a woman there who is several years older than I am. Mm -hmm. And she started, I think, two years before I did. So she was probably 70 when she started. But she's way more advanced. I mean, she she goes four times a week. Wow. And she uh, she's very, very good. But the class, there are about four of us in the class. Most of the, the other women are probably in their 30s. And they are so supportive. They make you feel good. They, mm-hmm. they make a point of praising you when you do, you know, your little thing. And so there, I don't feel self-conscious. And even when I was with the little kids, I, I didn't care, quite frankly. I was so happy to be doing what I was doing that it was okay. And I generally am pretty self-conscious. Um, like I don't get into a bathing suit, <laughs> no matter what. Uh, <laughs> But um, I yeah. just felt, I, I feel very at home at the stable just because everyone is so supportive. They all want you to um, do well and enjoy yourself. Yeah. It's a and very I think, good environment. I would agree with that. I think that because you have a common cause, everyone likes the horses. We all choose to be here. Yep. Um, that maybe not having good experiences with, physical exercise as a teenager that was in the back of my head and it's a completely different thing if you go somewhere you know and everyone wants to be there I find people are very considerate they um believe and like ask before they open a door so they don't make your horse jump and yeah you know um I had someone say to me last week oh I love your horse I've always loved black horses (laughs) Uh she's a friend for life Is there any other advice you've, you, you have for someone who longs to ride again, but thinks she's too old or too whatever? 
just do it. I mean, I knew for myself that I would regret not having tried. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, regret is, is a terrible thing. Amen. When you, when you get to our place in life, there's not much time left to do, to start things like this. And I know that I probably won't be able to do it for, you know, more than another few years. I can't imagine riding into my eighties, quite frankly. Who knows? Who but knows? who knows? But I had this priority for something that I wanted to, to do. And I, I do other things. I have a lot of other hobbies. But this is something that, you know, if I didn't do it, I knew I would have major regrets. Mm-hmm. I don't know, Roberta, if you see the pictures of Queen Elizabeth. I think she's 92. Uh-huh. Yes, and yes. She, oh. <laughs> well, and she then, didn't start when she was 70. She was a no. writer. <laughs> <laughs> I think then that's about body memory. That's what my coach has yeah, been saying. Yeah. I, I learned to ride and I took my horse home. And for five years, I just rode at home. And I think that um, in the last year, I realized I had very little core strength. And I, mm. some yeah. of the things where I sat on my horse wasn't perhaps good for his health. Mm. Wasn't really, I wasn't progressing. So that's why I went and got a bigger vehicle and a trailer. And I've learned to haul my horse down there. Wow. But I think that... You know, if you, if you don't do it, it it's not going to get any easier. You know, oh. it would have been very easy for me to say, if I lose another 12 pounds, oh, mm-hmm. I'll do some stretching. I'll, you know, yeah. go to a class. I'll do yoga and then I'll do it. And the truth is, then I'd never do it. Yep. Whereas by saying, I'm just going to go and do it. And if I'm more active, the fitness will follow. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, it will get easier. So I guess it's just back to that thing about find the right place, find somewhere you feel safe. Yeah. That if you are worried, they should take that seriously. The first thing to do is to be safe. Mm-hmm. You know, it's no fun if it's dangerous no. and you get hurt. It's meant to be a hobby. It's not a job or you're not an Olympic competitor. <laughs> yeah. you know? It's meant to be fun and safe. But um, I, don't, I don't think leaving it and making excuses helps. I think it's better to just go and have a go. And do it. And, and then the fitness follows, you know. But um, it, it's also, you know, one of the things that was a revelation to me is I would actually say I'm quite a learner. I find every other year I actually do an exam, um, oh. you know, f- is followed by a moderated go and write an exam for three or four hours. So I study for my job to keep current. And so I would say I'm a learner, but I have found that I'm not an active learner and I don't, I don't, can't always do what my coach says. My brain doesn't go fast enough when you're with horses perhaps roberta finds this so you have to watch the horse and if your coach says something you have to do it right then otherwise the moment has passed because it is about body memory which is that idea of you pass your driving test and you're thinking about how you drive but then a year later you get in the car and you drive home and you can't remember how you got home Mm -hmm. so so learning Mm -hmm. things like that you just have to do them when the trainer says do it and i was quite shocked i couldn't you know, she would say, um, do this, do that. And my brain would think, why? And by then, <laughs> the moment passed. So I had to work on being more of an active learner. Mm-hmm. And I think that young kids are great at that, but perhaps we lose yeah. that as adults. And mm-hmm. so I've had to learn to be more coachable and 
it's an ego thing you know if you're really good at your job and you know you look organized in life to go and do something at which you're actually not very good it's quite mm-hmm. humbling mm-hmm. so um so prepared so if you said advice to someone who's thinking about doing it i would say it's not going to get any easier go and do it but be prepared to be an active learner you know be prepared to be challenged but keep safe good. yeah and and also it, listening very carefully to what the instructor says and and as you say, Kathy, putting it into effect immediately is very important. So as a, as a new rider, you have, talking about living in the moment, you absolutely have to be aware of not, a, not only everything that the horse is doing, but what your body is doing. Mm-hmm. I was very surprised at how much of every part of your body is engaged hmm. when you're riding. You really have to think about everything, your legs, you know, your, your posture, where your hands are mm-hmm. at every moment. And so then that was very new to me. I don't know that there's, well, I'm sure that there are other sports events or gymnastics or something like that. It's kind of close to gymnastics, I think where you really have to be aware of every part of your body. At least that's how my instructor tells us. We're constantly readjusting. You really have to be able to focus very, very intently. So it's not just sitting on the horse and riding. It's you're a big part of what's going on. That's definitely something that my coach says. She says, you know, you can't just sit on the horse. You're not a passenger. Yeah. You know, if you <laughs> right. want to be a passenger, go and ride a motorbike, you know. Right. And then <laughs> when I complain about things hurting, uh, she will also <laughs> sometimes say, there's a reason it's an Olympic sport. It's not easy. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> right. That's always my challenge. And I won't say my problem because this is a hobby, so it shouldn't be a problem. It's just a challenge. Right. And is that I get my legs right and then my hands are wrong. Yeah, or, or your back, you know, you're not sitting yes. up straight, your head's not in the right <laughs> position. It's like every single part of your body is completely engaged yeah. when you run. Anyway, that's, that's kind of what I find relaxing about it. It sounds, mm-hmm. we make it sound hard work. And like, why would you do this to yourself for a hobby? But yeah. um, the type of person I am, I find it, I don't really watch TV. I'm not a passive person. So for me to go and do something where I have to really concentrate, I can't think about the chores list at home. I can't think about work. Then that, that for me is actually relaxing, making me be in the moment, you know, leaving my cell phone in the car. So, So although we kind of complain about it and say you have to do all this, I think the benefit of that is that it makes you concentrate and it's time out and it's time for yourself and you're at the barn and there's no one else around. Hmm. And um, I, do, I do want to be a better rider because my horse is my horse. And if you're not a good rider, you do damage their backs. And it's quite cruel, really. You know, um, he's, he's very forgiving because as he was trained, I learned to ride on him. But occasionally he will stamp his foot. And I <laughs> feel really bad then. I think I've done something that made him unhappy. Uh, uh-huh. 
So are, do you have any resources that you would recommend for somebody who is, is thinking about it and wants to get back or, or it's simply a Google writing lesson? I, I would say if you know someone else who's writing, perhaps ask them for a recommendation. But if you don't, then probably is a case of, of of Google. But if you if you liked a certain type of horse, let's say if you liked Appaloosas or if you liked Morgans, you could probably look up the local club mm. and mm. then ask them, you know, say I'm a, an amateur, you know, more mature. Can you suggest someone? They might know which barns are like for jumping, which barns are for eventing, which are dressage. And they might say to mm. you, you know, so... I mean, Googling it is one way, but you could end up just going to someone who wants the business and they're just going to tell you what they hear, yeah. what yeah. you want to hear. Right, right. Yeah, um, I, would, I would say also once you find a few possible stables to visit them and talk with the instructors and tell them what, what you want to get out of it, mm-hmm. whether it is just for fun once in a while or whether your your goal is to jump or as you say dressage or whatever and let them and see what their response is whether they are in tune with with your goals great yeah. very wise there's a difference there as well between owning your own horse and going and riding at someone's place yeah, yeah. And I think that if you, you should do one before you do the other, I have, um, I don't know if it's different because we live in such a rural area, lots of people have land and people will jump in and buy a horse. And I was going to say that these things live for 25 years and here's Roberta saying 30. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, you know, I do see, unfortunately, some horses, you know, not looked after very well or not cared for because people have piled into it and not realized what a commitment it is so um it's the horse is the cheap part you know you've Mm -hmm. got feed forever farrier vet you know uh, maintenance because they break things you know it's it's could potentially be a 35 year commitment so you know in terms of resources i would definitely go to um, established places and try and find someone who is comfortable with coaching to the level you want to be at not someone who's going to try and turn you into a champion because they want someone to represent their barn mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. oh ladies hi i'm getting so much more than than i was even hoping for you your stories are inspiring anything you'd like to say in conclusion i would just like to add that something i did not expect is that this activity is addictive mm. <laughs> uh, I have tried to stop (laughs) or thought about stopping um, and I can't. Um, when, when, When things are working well, there's no better feeling um, no matter what you're doing, whether you're just cantering or jumping or whatever, it's the best feeling that I've ever had in, in a hobby. And I literally cannot stop. <laughs> so it's a warning. I don't know about you, Kathy, but um, I feel well, I, I have to. I have to keep riding. I think it becomes part of your life because yeah. it is. You know, it's time out. You don't think about other things. It's a way of keeping your brain active and and physically active. It's not. 
you know, and the, and the animals, they are animals, you know, they're not machines. Yeah. So yeah. Like, Roberta's riding the same horse all the time. I've got my main ride and the others, but you know, it is affection back. They, I won't oh. say like, they're like cats or dogs, but they're not cows. They're not sheep. Yeah. You know, yeah. They, <laughs> they mind when I walk across the yard, he talks to me, mm. you know? And um, so I think it's, the sport but they are pets you get attached to the horses yes. and then um there's the company of the other riders um having something in common that's obviously good for you mm -hmm. so yeah it's, it's part of life you know, it, it's a commitment you know having um for, for myself like having the horse here i have to go out and feed even if it's minus 40 you know oh, i have wow. to pay around yeah. Wow. And, um, you know, this year I bought myself a trailer. Well, that was quite a financial commitment. So I think I must go down to the trainers. So don't don't, um, don't give up just because you're tired or, mm -hmm. you know, um, keep keep going. And it, it, you get back what you put in is probably what I'm trying to say. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Very, very true. Ah, oh, wow. I'm afraid we are running out of time, but I want to thank my guests. Uh, thank you, Kathy Waite. Uh, there are links in the podcast notes to Kathy's retirement planning site. And to Roberta Shanman, who is also my sister-in-law and mother of one of my three favorite nephews. <laughs> and I'm Liz Sumner, reminding you to be bold. And thanks for listening.